Man, it's good to see you. I'm glad you are here. Thank you for being here today. Uh, we started a series last week on, on Back to the Basics. And I was thinking about how um, it's funny, you know, with sports. And anybody play any sports, organized sports? Yes? Do you ever have a coach say, we need to get back to the basics? Like, why do they do that? You, ever, you know what's kind of comical? You know, being that we, we're Kansas City, I think it's funny. That, yes, thank you for that. Uh, what I think is interesting is how many, just what do you think? How many, how many Pop Warner and uh, high school kids are trying to play like Mahomes and throw like him and run like him? And every coach is saying, that's not what, right? I, the, the funny thing is there are basics to everything. And you as a Christian, you get a chance to, to reevaluate and think about how you're going to live this Christian life. I talked about last week about this friend of mine. We'd been friends 40 years ago, but not friends for 40 years. And the more I dwelt on that and thought about it, how many took uh, a foreign language in high school? Anybody take Spanish? How many, you guys all have it right here? Okay, who, who took it? Um, let's see, who, raise your hands again. Can you say a few words for me? Oh, hola, way to go. That's good. How many of you would say that you don't remember a lot of it? Yeah, the same hands. Why is that? Because you took it like 10 years ago, right? 15, 20, whatever it was. And you didn't stay with it, right? You're not working with it. You don't use it every day. For some people, it's it's like that where it starts to just fade away because it falls away because you're just not using it. I've heard people say, you know, teachers talk about this all the time, you know, they hate long breaks in the school year because the, the information, it, they say it kind of leaks out of your brain. It's just because if you're not doing it over and over and over, you just, it just drifts away. How many of you, uh, I was thinking about Spanish, but I mean, think about your history. Think about whatever. If you do not keep current and keep going and growing with it, it kind of fades a little bit. How many of you remember, memorized a bunch of scriptures as a kid? Like you went to kids' church, children's church. How many of, let me, I'm going to ask you a question. You can choose to raise your hand or not. But who, who here has memorized a new scripture in the last week? One hand back there. Two. Two? What, why is that? We just kind of stop, right? We stop doing that. And the sad thing about it is, all of this has to do with you. I mean, the thing is, if you keep current with it, it, it keeps current. And I talked last week about the fact that we as Christians, I could ask you, and if, if I did this, I'm not doing, don't raise your hands this time, but if I ask you, who of you are as close to God as you've ever been right now, who would raise your hands? Don't raise your hands. Some of you, I, okay. Some of you just have to raise your hands, I get it. And then the rest of us, what's the deal? Remember, we talked about that defining the relationship. Where are you with God? Where are you with your relationship with him? I think about that all the time, especially when I'm, I'm, when I'm around people who I know or maybe people you've been around and you, you, you know that they were closer because maybe there's some things in their life that have changed a little bit. And you're just wondering, where are they? What is going on? But today I want it to be about you. Where are you? Where are you? What would happen? What would happen if, and I know this is a what if, but what, what would happen if Jesus walked right in right now? Right now. Right now. What would it feel like for you? Would you be excited? Did it make you a little anxious? Anybody worried? Anybody want to say something like, yeah, I should have, what if I had a, I had a wish that I had only had a, 
What if he was right here? The truth is he is right here. He's right here always. And if anything's changed in your relationship, not him. It's us. Today's, I, I hope it's not as uncomfortable as last week for some of you, but let's, let's read this passage of scripture. Remember again, this is written to a, two churches, two Christians. I think sometimes we look at these and we think, oh, they probably weren't as Christian as us or whatever. No, they were. But listen to this. The the writer of Hebrews writes, there is much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. Does that trigger any of you? Is that a little rude? I mean, who talks like that? You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. I know that's kind of rough, right? When you hear that and you think, that's got to be talking about her or him, not me. These, these times of self-reflection can be awkward and difficult, especially in a room like this because you're, you're kind of looking around. Everybody kind of says face forward because is it me? Is it you? Here's the beauty of it, though. You, you can change that. In fact, the entire, the entire weight of this and the ability is all on you. That's a good thing because God is always willing. It's us. It's us who changes. He never changes. The fact is he's always wanting more relationship with you. And the relationship, get this, the relationship you have with him is what you deserve. Because you're the one. You're the one that changes it all. He is always there, always ready, always calling, always willing, always forgiving, always giving grace. He's always there. It's us who change. It's us who back away. It's us who get hard. It's us who get our feelings hurt. It's us who push him away. It's us who neglect him. It's us who get busy with things that probably aren't as important if we're being honest. It's us, not him. You can move toward him. You can look at yourself and look inward and say, where am I at with God and what do I need to change? And I can choose to order my life differently. I, it's within your power to do it. All you. I know some people are like, well, if, if, if I only had this or this. The fact is, it's all you. All you. We talked last week about the parable of the soils and how I think it applies to this. Even though it was written about evangelism, if you remember that parable, the sower sowed the seed, some of the seed fell on the, on the path, and right away the birds came and stole it. And then the next soil fell among rocks, and so it grew up real quick because the warmth, if you know the soil, it grew up quick, but there was no root. So then it withered and died. And then the other got choked out by weeds. And then there was the good soil. And you as a Christian can decide. You're, you're, think of your relationship with him like being those soils. You can do some gardening in your own life. You can make it ready to receive you can decide to grow. You can work your soil. I want to talk for a minute about what it means to be teachable. You ever heard that phrase? I haven't heard it in a long time, but you know what it means? I mean, it's, it's really the opposite of this. Anybody know somebody like they know everything about everything? 
Anybody know anybody like that? You start to tell them something and then they kind of interrupt you and finish what you're saying or, oh, yeah, 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 or they one-up you on their story. Anybody know anybody like that? Anybody here like that? <laughs> you know what's... You, is he trying to raise your hand for you? Oh, awkward. You know what's funny about that, though? Sometimes we get like that when we start talking about these things. And the fact is, we think, that's for somebody else. I, I got this together. I'm good. I think sometimes we think, maybe, maybe your husband or wife, or maybe, you know, it's easier to see flaws in other people. And because of that, we don't think it's for us. And so we're not open to hearing. It's like, we, well, I've heard that before, Pastor. I know all that. Okay, are you doing it? Is it, is it working out in your life? How's it going for you? I mean, really, if, if we went and did a, an assessment, a survey of where you spend your time and what you spend doing and how much time you invest and actually work on your relationship with God, what would we find? I'm not asking to do that, believe me, but what would we see? The fact is, it's all up to you. And it's hard sometimes. What teachable means also is when, that you're ready, you're ready and open for correction. How, who here likes to be corrected? Right? None of us, Right? But the fact is, that's a healthy thing. The fact is, is between you and God, our hearts should be open to hearing from him. And if there is correction needed, we should take it. When David prays in the Psalms and he says, show me if there's any wicked way in me. What is he saying? What he's saying is, I know, God, that there's times where I hide things even from myself. And I have blind spots and I, I have habits that need to be corrected. And I have priorities that are not in the right order. And because of that, there's times where you need to step back and be teachable and allow God to teach and instruct you. You need to open your heart and your mind to him and stop putting up the defensiveness and the walls and thinking at somebody else and not taking time and actually spending the time and say, God, what do I need to work on? What do you need to change in me? I know it's not the, best, the most popular thing. I get it. It's kind of like this. It's like having an open mind. Have you ever talked to somebody who you know you disagree? Maybe it's about religion or maybe politics or maybe something. There's a difference, though, is if you say to somebody, look, I'm willing to consider your side of it. Tell me what I need to know. Tell me what I don't understand. Tell me these things. I want to hear it, and I'm going to evaluate. There's a difference between being closed-minded and saying, no, I got this all figured out. I've already been there, done that. I know it all. Hmm. You know, God's given us word. It, you know, we, we talked briefly last week about, you know, asking what, what is the Bible? I, I would like to say it like this. I told you that one of our students, he said, it was an instruction manual on Christian living. I thought, my goodness, how did you come up with that? He's like, nine. I don't know. You know what else it is? I, I found this to be true, and I know this sounds a little cliche, but, but again, open your mind, open your heart, let this sink in for a minute. The book, the, the Bible is a book that literally will read you as you read it. It will. It, the, 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 the writer of the scripture says, it divides between the bone and marrow, which sounds brutal, but it does. It's a beautiful thing. If you want to be open to God speaking to you, it speaks. You know what it is? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rephrase or reframe the Bible for you in a couple ways. You know what the Bible is? It's an epic story about God and his desire for a relationship with mankind. That's what it is. 
and how he presented that to us and he created us for relationship, how we messed it up. It's, it's his relation to his creation. That's what it is. It's an epic story. It's huge. And it covers all of that. You know what it is? The Bible is, not only is it that story, it's the story. It's the story that animates all of life. Now, some of you are thinking, man, you're making it really bigger than it is. No, I don't think I can. I honestly do not think I can exaggerate this enough. It is the story that all stories build on. There's a book written called Epic that talks about this a lot. It's, it's John Eldridge. It's, it's, a, it's a great book if you have time to read that. You know what it is? It's the story that undergirds it is underneath every story. We as humans are built to, to have this story be told. That's why we repeat it over and over and over. Almost every, I know, I'm, I know for some of you you're going to think this is a stretch, but every sitcom, every, every drama, every movie, every book. And the ones who don't follow the story, we look at those and we, 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 our, our natural inclination is to recoil because it doesn't end right. And you can't even put your finger on it. What is wrong with the story? Because it doesn't tell the story that is underneath every story. Can I make it plain and obvious to you? I don't want to ruin every story, but literally every movie, every book. You know what it is? Things start out good. Think about how every introduction, things are good. In the Bible, it's paradise. God puts Adam and Eve in this garden. Everything they need is there. He literally tells them everything Except this one little thing. And as humans, what do we do? We focus on the one thing we can't have instead of all that he gave us. Good God gives us a good, perfect place. It's paradise. Think of whatever story you want. Things are good, right? Then what happens? A villain comes in. A destroyer. Something comes in and upsets the good and damages whatever it was and tries to tear down the good and takes, takes, and steals, and kills, and destroys. Does that sound familiar? And lies. Takes away what was good. Ruins it. Paradise is lost. Paradise lost. And what do we need? We need a hero. Right? We need a hero. We need somebody to come in and set things right. We need a person or, or a fellowship of heroes. Right? Right? Or a group of people to make it right. A Justice League. Some Avengers. Think about the stories that we tell each other. Maybe the hero's reluctant. Maybe they don't know they're the hero. Maybe they need to learn what it means to be a hero. It's all the same story. They discover their gifts. They find out what their purpose. Ever read about the patriarchs in the Bible? Or the judges or the kings? None of them were quite the hero, though, until the hero comes. And what does he do? He turns it all upside down. The entire kingdom is reversed, and he gives his life to restore what was lost. What was lost in Eden was the relationship with God himself, and the only thing that could truly restore it was the one true hero, Jesus Christ himself, who gives his life as a, as a ransom for all of us and restores because he's God and the only one who could do it. And he restores Eden, the relationship. He's the hero. Paradise is restored. Families are mended. Peace, wholeness, goodness. But 
the happily ever after is still coming. Right? Do you see the story? Do you see the plot line, how it goes through everything you've ever heard? Why is that? Because that's what God has put in our hearts. He's called us to that relationship. And deep inside, we know that's how it is. He made the world perfect and we know it's broken. You don't have to see just the tragedy. The baby's beheaded in Israel. It's just insane. Insane. You didn't have to see that to know it was broken, though, did you? Because you know it's broken. You know relationships aren't perfect and they, sometimes they don't last. And you know that, that the world isn't the way it should be. And there's disease and death and difficulty and poverty. And that's not what God created. You know that. You know that deep inside. And inside every single one of us, we yearn for the hero to set it right. And then what he does is he sets it right one by one by one by one. You see the racism in the world. You see the, the evil that's out there. You see that. And you know that that is wrong and that there is a hero that needs to set it right. And what he does is he calls to each and every one of us to join his crusade, to join his cause, to join him in this wonderful thing of establishing his kingdom that will set the day right. We need a savior. We need a savior. A hero that can take the chaos and turn it into peace. We need a hero that can give purpose to our pain, to give meaning to our empty lives. We need a hero. What does the world do? They try so desperately to find some way around that doesn't involve that hero because that hero makes claims on our life and he tells us you need to live like this and this is the best way to treat people. But people want to do it our own way. We keep going back to Eden and saying, no, I want to make the rules for myself. I want to identify my own life in my own way. We resist him. And it's sad because you could write so many movies about that. And what do people do? They they reach and grasp after fame, thinking that will return them to Eden, and it doesn't. They reach and they grasp after popularity, or that guy, or that girl, or entertainment, or they just want to escape the drama in the world. But that doesn't return them to Eden, it just postpones it. It's funny how you have a teacher, maybe some of you have had this one teacher who just changed your life and said things that you still remember all these years later. I'll never remember, I'll never forget some of the things my sixth grade teacher said. And she was that teacher, Mrs. Delfo, that everybody was afraid of and didn't like, supposedly. I remember looking at the the class list when, before uh, my, it was, it was my, I ended up having her two years in a row, fifth and sixth grade, so it was the summer right before fifth grade. And I remember seeing my name on the list and I thought, oh no, Mrs. Delfo. She was kind of mean and strict. She loved us fiercely. Is this a random thing? I remember her one time saying, I don't even know the context of this. I just remember what she said. And even as a kid, I didn't understand it. I remember, having to get, I remember asking her what that meant. She said, look it up. She said this. She said, alcohol isn't the answer. It just irrigates your problems. You might need to look that up, what that is. What does the world do? They pile up achievements thinking that will return them to Eden and it doesn't do it. That's not the story. It's not how it works. Money, busyness, all this in search for meaning and purpose. And it doesn't give purpose to life. It gives, I mean, there's little bumps in the road, but it's it's not what God has intended for you. What he's intended for you is that relationship 
And he didn't intend you to carry all the worries and concerns of the world. He carries those for you. And as he does, you walk through this life in a different way. None of those things are weights on you anymore. He gives you forgiveness, which you can never achieve on your own. He gives you peace. That, and if you're doing the Bible reading with us, we, they did a, a kind of a word study on the word shalom yesterday. Completeness, peace with God. You know how it is when there's peace in a relationship, right? And then when there's not, and the awkwardness, and you don't know how to act or what to say or how to look, and you misinterpret little tiny actions because you're not at peace. You have the same thing with this God, and what happens is the hero comes to set that right. Gives your life wholeness, purpose, love, acceptance. So let me ask you a question. If there is a God, and there is, And this is his desire, and it is. And he wants this story to be your story, and he does. Wouldn't he tell you? And he did. Wouldn't he do that? Would he just let you fumble around in life and try to figure it out? No. He's not like that. He wanted you to find him. He's not a God who hides But he does say for you to seek him, and he who seeks him diligently will find him. Why does he do it that way? I've had so many people in my life say, if he would just appear to me right now, I would serve him. And I look at them and I say, he's not a genie. He's not not a magic trick. He's not going to force you. Believe me, if I was God, I would force you. I'm sorry. I'm just being honest. I would. Right? I make my dog behave. I do. We're walking. I I walk her almost every night. I make her behave. That's not a God. He doesn't do us that way. Because he wants you to choose him. He wants a real relationship of love and power. Now I would like to think my dog obeys me because she loves me. But I know part of it is she knows there is either... (laughs) Either she's going to either be punished or get, get petted. One or the other, right? It's that simple, basic, you know, toddler fear of punishment or hope of reward. She's a dog. You're a human. You have a choice. God could have made it a world like that, where zap, zap, zap. He didn't do that. What he did is he, C.S. Lewis said it this way. He gives us just enough to believe and also just enough to reject if you choose. That's what he wants. He wants you to choose. But if there's a God and he wanted you to choose, wouldn't he tell you? Wouldn't he give you some type of book that would tell you about him? About his character? About who he is? About what he wants from you? Wouldn't he tell you something about his purposes and his requirements? Years ago, when I lived in Los Angeles, I would take our youth group uh, street witnessing with Ray Comfort. Some of you have probably seen him on TV. What he, his opening line, uh, now on TV, he does things different. You know, he, it's been a long time, but the opening line, we'd talk to people on this, at the beach or wherever and say, you know, hey, do you, do you believe in heaven? And the, everybody says, what? Do you think you're going there? Everybody says yes. So then you ask them, why do you think that? What do you think they say? Because I'm a good person. So this is his line, he would say. Well, if it's God's heaven, right? They'd say, yeah. And they say, wouldn't you want to know what he says it takes to get there? And then they say, oh, yeah, I guess. 
Wouldn't you want to know that? Let me ask you another question. If God created us for relationship, and he did, and if God wanted to tell us about himself, and he does, wouldn't he have to use humans to get us a book? It'd be about him and all that. And wouldn't the book answer all those burning questions of life? Why am I here? Why do I exist? What's my purpose? Where am I going? What does it take to get to heaven? This, this scripture, Paul wrote this to his protege, Timothy. He says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us. If you're teachable, when we are wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses us to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. But he used men to get the book here, right? And men make mistakes, right, ladies? Can you trust that book? If there is a God, and there is, don't you think he could direct and inspire even a man to do something right at least for a minute? And write a book? I mean, I've had people tell me like, oh, how can you trust this? Men wrote it and it was all, all, all. I'm like, yeah, but do you, so your, your issue is not with the Bible. Your issue is with God and him, his ability to do miracles. That's what your issue is. And if there is a God, by definition, he can do these things. It, it's possible. It's, you know what else I love about it? I like to show people too. When God does this, created he created all of us with all these incredible personalities and all the diversity just sitting around this room even as i said that just in my mind you know your brain works so i just flashed through all the different personalities in this room and thought how cool would it be god would use you to write a book in the bible and it would be like you wrote it because it'd be him inspiring you because people ask well how did it happen well he inspired them he used them it wasn't like possession where you're like moving your hand but he used you Because he creates you and your uniqueness. So what that means is Paul wrote like Paul. John wrote like John. James wrote like James. Matthew wrote like Matthew. Mark wrote like Peter. Which sounds weird, but it's because he wrote down Peter's. And here's what Peter says. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understandings. Did you catch that? Or from human initiative. No. Those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. It's not just one book. People take that Bible and they don't even understand what they're holding in their hand. It's not just one book. 66 books. It's a lot. It's written over 1,500 years by over 40 different authors. Written on three continents. It's amazing to think about. Prophets, shepherds, kings, uh, fishermen, Pharisees, tax collectors. It's written in three different languages. Most of the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, some in Aramaic, and then New Testament in Greek. It's an amazing book. What's amazing about it is some of the earliest portions were written about 1400 BC, and then the latest, right, just just around 90 AD. It's an amazing thing. You got eyewitness accounts of Jesus. Four different people wrote in four different places at four different times, and they corroborate each other's story as eyewitnesses do. Over and over and over. Didn't even have contact with each other. Do you know it's the most read 
most printed and most stolen book in history? That always makes me laugh. But you know what? People steal the word of God. He's going to still use it because he's God. He does those things. But can you trust it? I had someone ask me, this has been not too long ago, they asked me, do you take it literally, really? You know what I said? The part's meant to be taken literally. You, so funny, people look at the Bible, they don't realize this is a God who's so vast and he's so deep and so rich, they think it's this, this one-dimensional thing. Yeah, there's some parts that are literal. I said, well, but the poetic parts I take poetically and then, then they're just, it's different. I mean, you've got history and you've got prophecy and apocalyptic literature and symbolism and metaphor and... But this person, I told him, but you know what's beautiful about it? It's grounded in history. Because the authors wanted you to check and decide whether it's true or not. They listed specific places and names and dates and titles. and They even measure out distances and say things in people groups. Every single one of them have been verified. They've got titles written in there, names that you would only know if you live there. I, I could go on for literally hours about this. Let me give you one example. You remember when Jesus, um, he freed the demoniac that was in the Gadarenes? Do you remember that story? What's funny about that is that story is told in three of the Gospels, but they use a different name for the place. What's funny about it is, it's the same thing we do all the time. So if somebody asked me, in fact, this happened yesterday, somebody asked me where I was from. Well, I, I was... My son and I were fishing at Bennett Springs, so I told him, guess what I said? I said, Kansas City. I'm not from Kansas City. The more I talked to the person, they asked me where I grew up. Then I said something different, which is funny because I knew they didn't want to know my whole history, but I did grow up a lot in San Diego, but not all, right? Depending on what they're asking, I tell them a different thing, what they know, right? I mean, if I was out of the country, I'd say I'm from the U.S., same thing with these gospel writers. Depending on which one was writing and what audience we were talking about, they basically said the same thing, which makes it more accurate because it's exactly what you would do. Oh, the Bible is so rich. It's so rich. The poetry is so different than our poetry. I remember as a kid, I used to always get flustered because none of it rhymes. Do you ever notice that? I remember having an English teacher that said, well, real poetry doesn't rhyme. I'm like, well... Okay, I don't, like, I don't like that kind of poetry. Give me limericks all day long. The history, oh, I, it, it's an amazing thing. It's the prophecies. You know what's funny about that? Because a lot of the skeptics, they, they want to reject it as being from God because the prophecies are too perfect. It couldn't be real. Why? Well, there's no way Daniel could have predicted the, fall of, the rise and fall of Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome well, your problem's in with God. Your problem's not with the prophecy. Because if you believe God is real, then yeah, prophecy's well within his abilities. How about Jesus predicting the destruction of the temple? Perfectly. Archaeology consistently always verifies the Bible. Every time. The problem is this. Are you teachable? Do you want to be taught by the Bible? Now, my goal for you today is this. It's not very complex. This is not a sermon where I expect you to run to the altar crying. What I expect you to do is say, I want you to look inside and say, do I want to know more of God 
or not? Do you want to know the story and where you fit? Do you want to see your place in this story? Do you, do you want to know more of him? As we're singing the worship songs, as we're singing that song that we ended with, holy, holy, right? Jesus, I love you. What is that about? It's about you and him. Do you want that relationship with him? That's ultimately what it's all about, you and relationship with him. And then ultimately, other people in relationship with him. But the question I have for you today is, do you want it? Because I know this is true. If you actually spend time in the Bible, you will find things you never saw before. Because it's that rich and it's that deep. And the more time you spend, the more you will find, like I said in the beginning of the sermon, you are reading it, but it will begin to read you. And it will speak to you in ways that you had not anticipated and you had not prepared for. Because if you, what I do, this is what I do. When I go to read, we have, <laughs> right now I'm doing three reading plans, not because I'm spiritual, Don't, this is not a brag. It's because people invite me and I want to do it with them. And I want to grow. Do you want to grow? Do you want to? So every morning I say, Lord, what do you want to show me today? What, what will be new today? What part of my life needs corrected or what do I need to be open to? And every single day there's something. Every single day. It's not that I'm that bad. I'm just saying that <laughs> he's that deep. That's what it is. It's, it's amazing. And maybe for you, you're sitting here and you're like, but pastor, I've read the Bible. It's kind of boring. Well, okay, can we be on? There, maybe there's some parts that are boring. I'm not talking about that. But I would challenge you, even those parts that you think are boring, if you actually knew why they're in there and what they're really about, you would be amazed. It's not boring. It's not. But if you're there, I just want to challenge you with this. Take some small steps. Change what you're doing now. Maybe for you, you know, when I said three reading plans, you think that's a lot. Well, maybe it is. But it's not. It, it might take me 15 minutes. But I want more. So it never takes 15 minutes because I go back and I read more because I want to know more. And it comes down to your heart. Where's your heart in him? That's really what it comes down to. Never read a paragraph. But maybe for you, it just starts small and you need to start reading a paragraph a day and just read a paragraph. Say, God, what are you saying with this? Where does this fit? And, and for you, maybe, it, maybe you've gotten dull. Maybe the whole thing has become boring. I want to challenge you with a couple practical things. For, I use mostly my, my phone, but there are a lot of times where I want to go back and I have hard copy Bibles on my desk that I pour into. And maybe for you, you need to get off the phone and into a hard copy Bible again. I did this for a year where I, I got a Bible that specifically had, it was created this way that has margins that I could just write in. And that's what I did for a year. Sometimes I've done this where I'll use a different version for a year, a whole different version. Just because there are different versions. You know, and they, they sound different, and it's interesting they're different. I challenge you, read something you're going to read. You maybe do this. I, I never even, this is years ago, the YouVersion Bible app. I, I was working in the garage, and I, I had just gotten the Bible app, and I noticed it had that little triangle that's like the play button. And the, This is a while ago, so it's not like yesterday, but I hit the play button. I didn't realize it would read the Bible to you. Some people need that. 
And I, the entire time I was working on things in the garage, I, I listened to the entire book of John. And I thought, I haven't done that in years. Read the whole book. It was amazing. I remember there was a lot of times where I just stopped and listened because it just hits different when you listen. Maybe for you, you're going somewhere, and that might be something that you would do. Now, in the Version Bible app, I'll just warn you, there are different readers, and some of them may not, may not work for you. No, I'm just going to be honest. No offense to the NIV guy. Don't like him. So I just don't like that verse. I just don't like the way he reads it. I just don't. That's how I found the New Living Translation, because I liked it better. I liked that guy better, you know. And I've noticed lately they've been adding different readers. There was one, she sounded African, kind of had that English, African sound to her voice. And um, I'm just saying, there's so many tools. If you do follow along with the sermon notes on the YouVersion Bible app, I put in there links to some different uh, Bible programs that I think are really good. But it comes down to this question for you today. In fact, let me do this. If I could, if I could have Dalton join me, if you could just shut your eyes for a minute, everybody in the room. One of the challenges with uh, preaching a sermon is I'm very well aware that there are people at different levels of their, their Christian walk in this room. I know that there are people that they're new to this, brand new. And I know that there's people in here, because I've talked to you, I know you, that have been walking with the Lord. There's people in this room that have been walking with the Lord 70 years, 75, 80 years. I'm going to say this, whether you are new to the faith or been walking with God all these years, I can say this with confidence. There is something in God's word for you. Every one of you. The difference is the same for each of us. How much do you want to know him? How teachable are you? Do you want to know him? Because he wants to know you. He made you for relationship. He gave us this book so that you could know him. So maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, okay, Pastor Dennis, well, what does this mean for me? This is what it means. I'm just gonna ask you a simple question. Do you wanna know him? Do you want to know him? This hasn't really been a salvation appeal message, but it's possible there's someone in this room right here, maybe watching online even. You've never asked Jesus into your heart. You never... Never really said, yes, I want to follow Christ. But if there's really a God who created this world perfect and then sin destroyed it and he redeems it, then he could redeem you. And if you're here today and that's you and you want to say, yes, I want to walk with Jesus, anybody at all, if that's you at all, we want to pray with you. Anybody at all like that today, you would want to raise your hand and say, yes, that's me. I'm going to ask another question. Everybody, this is for everybody in the room. If you just shut your eyes for a second, everybody. I'm going to ask this question. I am going to ask you to raise your hand, but this is for you, not for me. I'm not even looking around. I, I just want to ask a serious question. Do you want to know him more? Do you want to really know him more? That's it. Do you? If you do, just raise your hand and tell him, yes, I want more of you. Tell him. Tell him. So what are you willing to do for that to happen? What are you willing to change? It might mean you go to bed a little earlier so you can get up earlier and focus. It might mean that you download one of those Bible apps. It might mean that you buy a Bible that you especially want to read and seek him with. Maybe you already have 
10, 15 Bibles. Most of us do. You grab one of those off the shelf and it becomes your companion. And you, those times you would normally be zipping through Pinterest or TikTok or Instagram or Facebook or YouTube, you open that. And maybe right now the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and saying, that's you. That's you. I want that with you. The question is, do you want it with him? It always comes down to that. Do you want this? So if that is you, I'm going to pray for all of us today. Would you stand with me? I'm going to be down here at the front. And our prayer team will be down here. If you need prayer for anything, we want to pray with you. We'll be here. We'll stay here. If anybody needs prayer for anything at all, healing, fill the Holy Spirit, anything, an issue you want us to stand with you in prayer over. But I just want to pray over all of us. Father, I lift up everybody in this room. I'm just overwhelmed this morning and and grateful that you love us. We sang that song earlier about you being holy and that we love you. God, I'm just overwhelmed with the idea that you want relationship with us. My prayer, my deepest prayer right now for everybody in this this building today, everybody watching online. God, I pray that you would draw each and every one of us to even deeper relationship with you. God, I'm asking this, that as they open their Bible, whether it's on their phone or a physical Bible, as they open it and read that, Lord God, that you would just become alive, that you would speak to us in in ways and, and about things that we never even saw coming. God, that you would illumine different parts of our our lives that need to be changed, that you would illuminate different parts of your word that that just say things that we had never seen before. God, I pray that you would show us the depth and meaning and how much you love us and how much you care about us. God, I pray that you would do that in everybody's life, even before they go to bed tonight, God, as they read and see who you are. And God, I pray as that comes alive that you would deepen our walk with you. Help us to become people of faith that is deeper than we could have ever imagined. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you today. Share that with as many people as you can. If you need prayer for anything, please come down and we'll spend some time praying with you.